0: Again, schoolofpodcasting.com slash booklaunch.
1: Thicken up your skin and get ready for a supersized serving of opinion. Delivering constructive criticism and powerful praise, it's the Podcast Review Show. This is the podcast that takes the guesswork out of first-time impressions. You'll discover new podcasts while learning podcasting tips. Join in on the conversation via voicemail, email, comments, and polls. It's all at our website, podcastreviewshow.com.
0: Welcome to the podcast review show. Tonight, we're going to be taking a look at Clara Neat. I'm your host, Dave Jackson from the School of Podcasting.com, and my partner in crime as we, uh, we go on our quest to. Uh, we're not really trying to make people cry. If you've listened to uh, previous episodes, we always kind of joke about that. But the one. <laughs> Eric K. Johnson from (laughs) PodcastTalentCoach.com. Eric, how are you doing, buddy? Hey, Dave. I am fantastic.
2: One of these times somebody's actually going to cry and then we're really going to feel bad. Like, oh, it happened.
0: (laughs) Well, people always think we're just going to crush them. And it's like, that's really not what we're here to do. What we're here to do is to help point out what you are doing right. And then there might be some things that you want to tweak a little bit. Uh, But usually... uh, we haven't really had a really bad review, like a really bad show that we kind of went in in a while. So we've we've had some pretty good ones. And uh, tonight we're joined by Sean from Claire Neat, and that is uh, C L A R I N E A T. If you uh, put in E E T, that is not it. I, I, <laughs> Did you try? I, I haven't tried that domain. I'm, I'm afraid.
2: <laughs> Completely different website. Ooh. <laughs> Sean, tell us a little bit what
0: inspired you to start a podcast.
3: Um, Well, I was always listening to a lot of podcasts. I do a lot of driving for work uh, as a freelance musician in town and various shows were of interest to me. And I started thinking that it'd be nice to have a clarinet show to listen to, but I could never find one. I sort of started having some conversations with my repair tech actually was the guy who first kind of gave me the idea. And we had about an hour long chat and I was like, well, wait a minute, that's the kind of talk I'd like to have to listen to in the car. And I'm sure other people would like that too. So I took my technical know-how and just sort of made it happen. and, And honestly, it was you know, you don't know what you're doing at first. You think you do, but every episode you learn something new. And the culmination of that, I guess, is this, where I realized I've spent so much money on music lessons over the years, but I've never had a podcasting lesson. So
0: it was about time. <laughs> <laughs> and how long have you been doing the show?
3: About 18 months. Okay. So do
2: you play uh, clarinet professionally?
3: Yeah, I do a lot of uh, playing in the city here. I teach over a hundred workshops a year locally, various schools and universities and, and things like that. I sub with the local orchestras and uh, all sorts of stuff. And I also play percussion, actually.
0: Oh, wow. Well, I saw in your bio, uh, on your About page, you ended up on stage with Shania Twain. Yeah, that's kind of an interesting story. That happened twice, actually,
3: because when I was in the Stampede show band, which is like a, a marching group here, they these bands sometimes come through town and they need extra excitement on stage. So they had the Stampede band Drumline go up there on two occasions and, and play two nights each with her. So I guess it was four times if that works right in my head, but that was pretty crazy. Cause you know, I was at that point I was, uh, you know, I had my marching drum on or whatever, but there's a hundred thousand or I guess 30,000 people in the stands, but it was crazy. It was people as far as you could sort of see, but yeah, it was a cool experience.
0: Well, let's uh, go ahead and jump into what we always like to do To start off. We're just going to play like the first minute or so and then kind of give you our thoughts on uh, our first impression. Hi, this is Sean Perrin
3: and you're listening to Episode 60 of the Clarinet Podcast, the show where I discuss all that's new and neat with clarinet with the neatest people in the industry. episode of the podcast I'm joined by the wonderful Eugene Mondi, who is the acting principal clarinet of the National Symphony Orchestra in Washington DC. He shares his thoughts on why you shouldn't get sentimental about your gear, what kinds of adjustments you need to make if you want to play with a double lip embouchure both as a player and to your reads, a lot of advice on being an adaptable musician, mastering your auditions and much much more. Detailed show notes for this and all other episodes are available at www.clarinet.com. Patreon backers now get access to extended versions of episodes just like this one. If you'd like to learn more about how you can get access to this and other bonus content presented in high-resolution audio, see clarinet.com slash Patreon. Today's episode was brought to you by our sponsor, Dedaria Woodwinds. Thank you so much for listening.
0: So that's like the first minute and a half. And I, I'll i just jump in here, Eric. I loved it because first of all, you explain what the show's about and then do, you do a nice job of not without giving away all the the bells and whistles, but you explain who the guest is, why they're here. And, you know, so I know, Eric, you always talk about people getting on a bus and not knowing where they're going. I was like, well, I, I know where I'm going. <laughs> That's exactly what I was going to say. It, it, I love
2: the clarinet vibe of it. It's very NPR style. It has a great feel, just kind of like we're sitting around the living room chatting about clarinets I love the vibe of that. I love the fact that you teased what was coming up in the show and what we can expect to get out of this particular episode. Um, You were quick at the housekeeping stuff. We didn't waste a whole lot of time talking about the Patreon members and and how to connect and what to connect. You got me the information that I needed right there quickly. And then, boom, we're off to the races. So I love that. The only thing I would have maybe changed about it was the intro music. After you set it up, the intro music was a bit long. You know, I kind of do 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 do. You know, I could have used maybe a refrain of that, but it, it kind of went on again and again. And I'm thinking, all right, did he step out to get a drink of water? Where'd he go? Yeah. Oh wait, here he is. He come back. Yeah. You know, so that, if I was gonna nitpick and change something, that might have been the only thing. Otherwise, I thought it was, I thought it was solid.
0: Yeah. The um, my question is, is that you on the clarinet? You know, I wish that were me. That, that There's a bit of a backstory,
3: actually, to that track. And that is that uh, the guy who's playing that name is named Michael Stern, And he's a rather um, famous bass clarinetist in New York. And he actually also works as an advertising agent of some sort. And he recently directed some sort of ad series with, like, Kevin Spacey. Like, he's a pretty big deal. And uh, so he's been one person that kind of, like, I've always wanted him to get on the show. And I eventually did. And we finally met last year at Clarinet Fest. And, and uh, anyways, I worked hard to get that track. So I guess I... <laughs> I feel what? weird about shortening it up, but I see the point.
2: Clarinet Fest, I need that T-shirt.
3: Yeah, I have to. <laughs> <laughs> Going
2: so, next week. So, so here's a suggestion for you then. At the beginning, you say, here's the show, here's what it's all about. And then you start into the music. Maybe you let it go for four measures or whatever it happens to be. Just enough to establish that piece. Because yeah. it, it is a fantastic little ditty. And then maybe you come in and you set up the episode and you set up the housekeeping over the tail end of that. So maybe you, you use a little more of that piece of music. Maybe you use a good 30 seconds mm-hmm. long enough to give you the housekeeping and the, and the tease to what's coming up in the episode. And then by the time the music fades out, then all of a sudden we're running through the episode. So you use the music underneath you to give the show a little energy and a little momentum. And then yeah. by the time it runs out, we're into the meat, and, and you're introducing the guest.
3: Yeah, I totally agree. I uh, listening to it more too. I mean, I find that I skip it when I'm doing my review
2: over <laughs> when I'm doing my review over in the car, I skip it. So, okay, if the host is skipping it, yeah. we might want to shorten it up a little
3: bit. That was gonna yeah, be one of my know?
0: concerns is and in fact I had it down because you do that again at the end. And that's when I was yeah. like, I might stomach it at the beginning, but at the end, I'm kind of like, oh, here we go again. And I could <laughs> yeah, see like no.
3: after I took some of your advice from the podcast rodeo thing, because then yeah. actually this episode was a good one to pick because I sort of refined the intro too. Yeah. And I took one of your pieces of advice, which was to put most of the housekeeping at the end and also give a teaser for the next episode. I don't mm-hmm. know why, but I'd never thought about that. And one thing for sure is that it sits way more comfortable at the end. And what I'm doing now, too, is I'm actually trying to include short snippets of music of the person like playing something really brief. I know that presents like slight problems in a sense, but if it's like a short 15, 20 second clip, um, I don't know. Um, But uh, anyway, so like, for example, the episode I'm working on now, I'm actually giving a little teaser clip of the person talking at the beginning from the episode. And then I'm going to speak over the music and then have the intro thing and I'm going to try and work on it and see if I can shorten it up. Cause I, I agree. If I'm skipping it, everybody else's, I just, I just love the track.
0: (laughs) It's a great
2: thing. There's no set way to do it. Try different ways. See what feels right to you as you're doing it. You know, a lot of people say put all the housekeeping stuff at the end, but then you're got to hope and a prayer that people actually get all the way to the end of your episode. Sometimes the car ride ends and they've only made it through 20 of the 30 minutes and they got to get out of the car and they never get back to finishing it. So I don't have a problem with you. Hitting a little bit of that housekeeping up front because you make it brief, maybe pick the one or two things that are most important. You know, if you want the show notes uh, or you want to become a Patreon member and get exclusive content, find that over at clarineat.com. You know, Mm -hmm. it's something that simple. At least you're giving them a strong call to action and getting them more involved with your show and not hoping that they make it all the way to minute 37 in order to get
0: it. Well, tell you, this, will, this will be the episode someone cries if, to, if I have to shorten that. Music. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, and speaking of short, I don't normally compliment people on their advertising, but following that opening, you went right into an advertisement. And as someone who's had an adver- advertiser on their show and they always go, OK, they buy a 30 second spot and then they give you about four minutes worth of material to cover in that 30 seconds. I thought this was just a cool, like, cause at first I was like, ooh, an advertisement, this could go, you know, and I'm just gonna, we're gonna give them a free plug.
3: Sanding, shaping, balancing. For centuries, mastering your instrument meant mastering these crafts too. But now, D'Addario is refining craftsmanship for the 21st century by refining their reeds and mouthpieces with the world's most innovative techniques. So you can spend less time sanding, shaping, and balancing, and more time perfecting your own craft. To learn more about the new era of craftsmanship from Dedario Woodwinds, visit com slash woodwinds.
0: And that's it. And I was like, and then you're boom, you're right into it. And I was like, well, that was pleasantly short and to the point. And you you were obviously, you know, you're reading a spot, but you weren't reading it. I didn't think it was a bad read. Uh, Eric, you would be, a, you're, you're the guy that works in in radio ads. What were your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, I thought it was good. The music wasn't too loud to be distracting. A lot of people want to put a really cool music track in. And they miss the point that the, the the point of your spot isn't the music track. It's the the, the words. Copy. So you don't want a great music track to distract. And you have one yeah. that's in that's kind of nice. It's not clarinet. So I'm not I'm not paying most attention to that. Yeah, um, it's funny you say that because originally I tried playing along with it on clarinet and I couldn't get something that sat in the background enough.
3: Yeah, because yeah. you want to so- listen to it yeah, I just grabbed my guitar instead and, and kind of played along with what the words
2: were sort of sounding like. And then that was it. The spot was great. It was succinct. It got me the information I need, made me care and and moved along. And it didn't try and fill it with 27 different benefits and bullet points and features and calls to action. So yeah, it was good.
0: The only, the biggest problem that I had with your your episode really was nothing that you did and probably nothing that you had control over. And mm-hmm. that was the fact that your guest sounded like they were in a tunnel to a certain extent. We're,
3: yeah. And- you know, this
0: is, this particular, <laughs> <laughs> maybe not quite that yeah. bad.
3: Well, this particular guest was a very big name. So I was thrilled to have him on. What had happened is there's a manufacturer that I, uh, is a Canadian manufacturer actually of clarinets and they've become excited about the podcast. And when they have artists coming through town, they told me they want to try and see if we can connect and it's great. So I had like two days back to back where there was an artist there but after listing back, I had them order a, a headset for next time.
2: Nice. So when you're interviewing them, the, the guest is at their store or at their location when you're interviewing them? Yeah. Oh, yeah. great. So so the store can just the store yeah. can just have the equipment there and you can hook them up. That'd yeah. be awesome. Yep, yeah, totally. Instead of, instead, of, instead of sending a new
3: mic to every guest that they, you know, you know, suggest, I can just say, oh, that sounds like a great person. Let's
2: let's do it. And the mic's sitting in the desk. So well, and that would be one tip that I would give you as you as you're speaking about this guy being in town and over at the the shop there. There was a point there when you start the interview, you ask him. Uh, I think you ask him why he's in town or what brings him to town, which is a fine question. But then you offer him a multiple choice answer. You ask him, "Are you here to buy gear?" Which is then then turns it into a yes no question. What I would recommend is avoid making it a multiple choice or a yes no question because you're apt to get a single word answer out of it and even though you know the answer that's okay because now you're leading him down a path where you want him to go so hey you know uh, what brings you to town here and then he could say well i'm over at the shop and we're you know i'm having a i'm, yeah. I'm getting my uh, instrument repadded, and, and uh you know getting a couple of keys tuned up or something the funny thing about that, that first question is that it was actually added in afterwards. <laughs> so I even had the chance to frame it better in retrospect and I didn't. <laughs> yeah. So just be careful of those because the one word answers will come back to bite you. Cause he, if he just yeah, says, okay. yep, then, okay, now we're on, you just yeah. basically wasted a question. We're on to question number two there.
0: That was the one thing. And I'm guilty of this myself of coming up with a question in my head and I start to say it before it's done in my head. Yeah. So mid, so, <laughs> yeah. so I have a question here. Well, I'll just play it. You'll hear in here. Yeah, I'm <laughs>
3: tempted in a way to discuss which equipment you choose and why, but I'm almost, I think it'd be more compelling to talk about how is it that you think that someone can come up with their own concept and feel of the equipment that they should be choosing for themselves? Where can they get that sort of guidance, especially after graduation? I mean, a lot of people, as they move through their careers, right. they're, they're still experimenting with equipment and you you sort of lose that connection to someone to advise you on that way. How can you sort of find your own path?
0: And so the question yeah. was like halfway through, <laughs> and I learned this just from Eric last night, when you, when you graduate and you don't have a, a teacher anymore and who's advising you, you know, how do you find your path kind of thing? And I was like, Oh, he just did the thing that Eric was talking about. Yeah. um, Yeah.
2: It's a very, it's a very tough skill to master because your, your mind is thinking of the question that you want to ask, but your guest hasn't gone through all of the framing of that question that your mind has gone through before you, before you arrived at the question. And it's a very difficult skill to actually make your brain stop, back up, go through all of the framing of the question first, and then ask the question. But when you're able to do that, and it takes a lot of practice to get there, when you're able to do that, it keeps the the interview moving forward and it it frames the question for the guest before you ask the question. And then when you ask the question, you're able to stop and the answer is allowed to start. When you reframe it after you've already asked it, He's got to try and remember what the question was after you've given him four or five more sentences. It's a it's a tough thing to master. But once you do it, you'll the momentum of your interviews will be so much improved. So what do you do in that time then when you're waiting for your brain to sit there and finish? You just stop and like wait? Because the benefit that you have is that it's a recorded podcast podcast. And so, what I tend to do is I'll say, Sean, uh, thanks for being on today. I, I really appreciate it. Just a couple things for for us to to uh, just some ground rules that I want to lay out for you here as before we start recording. There may be times in this podcast where I stop talking because I'm either framing my follow up question for what you just said, or uh, I'm trying to best frame the question I want to ask, or it's because I wanna make this an edit point. So if I stop talking, don't freak out because Mm -hmm. all I'm doing is trying to figure out the next step in this interview. What I'm gonna do when the interview's over is I'm gonna go back and clean it up. But when I look at my audio and I see these big gaps in the audio, I know that's my edit point. So I'm doing that on purpose. Don't get nervous if I happen to stop talking. That's
3: really smart, actually. And I guess one reason I've been doing this more often lately is because I started doing some podcasts with video on, and to me that adds a new dimension. Because I used to kind of like keep notes on my stand or something mm-hmm. while I'm talking, and you know I could still be listening, but I'm also writing going, Oh yeah, I gotta do that. Or but now I feel like I have to pay attention to them, and it's more conversational. So I I talk a little more as if I'm at the bar or something instead of at my computer, intently listening and then waiting and. So, yeah, I think maybe I should get off the camera and just do it audio only.
2: Well, and you can still do it on the camera. And as you're as you're having that discussion, what I want you to do is is actively listen, because that's where your great follow up questions are going to come from. And Mm -hmm. if you're busy writing down or you're or you're looking over your notes, you have your list of questions there. And that's why you want to tell him if the pause happens, don't freak out, because then if I get to the answer and I don't have a follow up, then I just go and I look down and I'm Oh, yeah. How limit, let's start with this. And then you kind of frame that in a follow up and move along as long as he knows, or you just give him, you know, hang on one second while I, uh, or if you have to jot down notes, maybe make it a one or two word sentence, you know. Oh, uh, even you know. just like shapes, or I'll check something off. Or
3: yeah. yeah. You know, I've been going more and more away from any sort of, like, list? I mean, I when I first started, I was doing actually, like, written-out questions to the word how I wanted it, and I realized shortly after starting that was not a way to do it at all. And now I just kind of write down my key points I want to get through and then just get through them.
2: Yeah, Um, so if if you know that you're interviewing a guy who started playing in uh, Cleveland and ended up working his way up into Philadelphia and then finally made it to New York, um, and he's been uh the the first chair in the orchestra there for 10 years and you want to hit those four points then jot those four points down and as you're listening to the story just walk him down the path to get to each of those four points you know and then you say uh so at what point in time did you realize it was time to make the move out of cleveland and and how did the philadelphia gig happen and then mm-hmm. he, can, he can take you there and you can ask him questions and help him form that. And and when did you know Philadelphia was coming to an end? Oh, yeah. And that's and then so what was your next big leap from there? And that's when I finally got to move up to New York. And and you're just helping him walk down the path, but you're actively listening to his answers and just helping him get there. So you're letting him tell his story, but helping him shape it. And, and direct it where you want him to go. If he starts getting off on a path, you know, I really wanted to get to Florida and he starts telling about his grandma who lives in Florida. Uh, you, you can gently interrupt and say, hold on a second. Let me take you back to Philadelphia. When you were there and you were sitting second chair, how aggravating was it that you knew you were better than the first chair guy and you, you, you should have had the chance to move up and, you know, you just kind of redirect him and get him off grandma and back onto Philadelphia. And we're back on the track again. We should just note here that, um,
3: this is all hypothetical. I've spoken to the leads in Philadelphia and New York. So I don't want anyone <laughs> listening to me. <laughs>
2: nice. So if you're oh, talking to the guy of... in
3: Poughkeepsie, <laughs> yeah, if he yeah, wants exactly. to get over to Ontario, <laughs> that moon orchestra. <laughs> <there>. yeah. <laughs> yeah. This whole walking down the path thing is, is a good, is a good um, idea. I have to remember that the, the person I'm having on already knows
2: their story. It's not really my job to ask the right questions is kind of just to get it out of them. Right. Like, right. Just to help them walk down. You know, the story you want them to tell the best interviewer already knows the answers to the great questions and knows which questions to ask to get the great stories. If you know, something fantastic happened the week he arrived in Philadelphia, then that's what we want to talk about and just say, how comfortable was the move to Philadelphia? And he goes, oh, that first week it was, and then he's off to the races and you look brilliant. Like, wow, you just asked a fantastic question. Well, you already knew the answer to it. You just led him to led the horse to water
0: and he took care of the rest. And that was one of the things I wanted to point out. It does sound more like a conversation than an interrogation, which I thought was great. There's a very educational part of this whole conversation. And I really like the fact that at one point you asked a great question, kind of in the shoes of the beginner.
3: So the open facing versus closed facing. And I also I've heard you discuss in other um, instances, sort of this concept of high flow versus low flow camps right. of playing. Um, right. where, where do you sit in in that regard? And uh, could you maybe explain both
0: of those ideologies for someone who may not know? So I just when you said that, I was like, oh, that's cool, because there's probably somebody going, wait, low flow, high flow. what are we Is this some sort of toilet thing? What are we talking about? I don't know. <laughs> so I just I was kind of like, good on you for that. And then when we got to this, me not being any kind of reed player. Um, yeah, and that's what I was wondering,
3: actually, about how you were playing a, f- a very firm reed with the with the double lip. So you're actually reshaping the reed to
0: match your exact needs. And I was like, OK, we're double lipping now. I'm like, <laughs> because I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm like, that's probably really good clarinet speak. So, And yeah. your, your guest really had a lot of great information. I wish you
2: would have done a little bit more of that though Sean um because there yeah. and and I know you're talking to to high level clarinet players but I've played a reed instrument for 40 years and I've never shaped my reed. I didn't know that that was, I ju- I would just buy a box of reeds and if one didn't work right I'd throw it out and I'd go to the next one. And you know so I didn't yeah. realize that I could actually you know, whittle, I never even considered whittling it down and making it look right. I would look at it and go, well, that's obviously not going to sit flush on my mouthpiece. And I'd get rid of it and I'd start with a new one. And then you use the term double lip embouchure, which I've never heard ever, uh, which is crazy because I've only played as a double lip embouchure player on sax. Uh, yeah, on saxophone. But I've never heard the term double lip embouchure. I assumed I knew what I meant. Um, but I had to go Google it and look it up to make yeah. sure I was, I, w- I knew what I was talking about. So when you get to, when you get to highly technical terms, just to make your, your um, podcast a little more accessible to every man, to maybe it's a high school player that's looking to, to study clarinet in, and college and play in the, the orchestra as a professional, help them learn a little bit more along the way. Even if you're talking like double lip embouchure, you know, uh, where you're talking to the guy about double lip embouchure and obviously he knows what it means, but you could say, you know, where you're playing with both lips, how does that play into yada, yada, yada.
3: Yeah. Um, You know, it's a super fine line though, because I mean, for me, well, I mean, you're, you're right, I guess, because I, I don't know exactly who the target audience is for this. That's one thing that's kind of weird. Like I know people in university listen. I know that actually like professors listen. I know that students listen. It's such a spread, but I guess it would only take a second for me to just say, you know, when you use double lip embouchure, which is where you put the top lip over the top teeth, do you? <laughs> it would just yeah. take a second,
2: you know? Yep, exactly. Explain those terms. And if you just – what I would do is uh, take 15, 20 minutes and really define that that one individual that you're talking to. Decide if it's going to be a, a high school player or a college player, a beginner, somebody that's been playing for 15 years, somebody that's trying to get their first gig in orchestra. Uh, with, what's the – Who's the individual that you're talking to? Because even if you're talking to, let's say you're talking to an individual, a freshman in college who's just starting. Very good, very good clarinet player, made the orchestra at the university and is, is looking to make this a career, but just getting started. Let's say that's the individual that we're talking to. So as we're defining some of these terms for them, the professor that's listening will still enjoy your episodes. They're still getting a lot out of it. They'll realize that that's the individual that you're talking to and they'll feel like they're in the club, like they're in the know already, like they're already past the point. Um, But, but it's not like they're not learning something. You have fantastic guests on talking about great content. So I I don't think you're going to turn the, the upper level people off by talking under them or they're not going to think less of you because you're, At clarinet 101 instead of clarinet 404. So, what do you think about though? Like, for example, when I'm interviewing the guests, like, the idea is, of
3: course, that I'm a clarinet player and I don't want to appear with them there that I don't know what it is, but they'll know, I guess they know what I'm doing. Like, you know, because I don't want to be talking to the guy from the New York Philharmonic and I have to ask, you know, mention what double lip embouchure is or ask him to define that kind of term, you know? Sure. So, you could say, even maybe I could say at the beginning, if there's any jargon, I'm going to just quickly define it
2: right yeah so just say uh before the interview begins you could say hey uh just so you're aware my target listener is a freshman in college who's who's a skilled clarinet player but really just starting the path on that professional career and that's the individual that we're talking to today so there may be times where we'll need to explain some of the jargon that we use only because you and i have used it for the past 10 years this individual is just getting started so if you hear me if you hear me clarifying some stuff or asking you particular questions, that's the reason because this is the individual we're talking to.
3: I like the idea of giving kind of a read through at the beginning, something I should do. I, I haven't done that. I just sort of start talking and then.
0: It's hugely beneficial to the guest, especially because I'll have people that will have me come on and they want to talk podcasting. And I'm like, okay, well, who are we talking to? Because if it's people that are kind of geeky, I can go way deep in the weeds. But if it's a bunch of business people I've got a whole different set of way of of explaining things. So if you can kind of give them a target of like, here's who you're talking to. They kind of know how to shape their answer. So
2: it would be like if they were going out talking to a sixth grade band, how how would they frame their conversation? Or if they're talking to a group of individuals who are auditioning for the orchestra, how would Mm -hmm. they talk to that group two total? They would they could relay similar information, but it would be framed completely different.
0: The other thing, and this is one of those optional areas, your your guest was like super knowledgeable, but at times he left you what I call low hanging fruit, which is stuff like this,
1: it isn't necessarily fun. You know what I mean? When, if you have two people going, ah, oh, I think you're really sharp there. It's kind of, <laughs> and you felt okay about it, and you where you didn't realize. Um, I think that's 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 difficult, but I think
0: um, like halfway through there, he was done. And the second half of that clip was him trying to figure out what he was going to say next. And so I actually picked a clip here. So so you also, um, you study with Larry Coombs. Let me explain what we're doing. The first one is how it was, and then I went through and edited it. You'll hear a little bleep when we go from one to the other.
3: So so you also, um, you study with Larry Coombs, Larry McDonald, and Donald Montanaro. Is there a story um, that you'd like to share about working with any of those three, or maybe a short one from each, or...?
1: Well, I mean uh, yeah, I mean, um, I should be careful I, I think the uh, they're all I, I got something from each of them and, and um, I think the Larry McDonald who uh, so, so
3: you also um, you study with Larry Coombs, Larry McDonald, and Donald Montanero. Is there yeah. a story that you'd like to share about working with any of those three or maybe a short one from each or
1: I, I got something from each of them. So you're and, right to and the answer. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. It's so the, funny because
3: that's one of my pet peeves when I listen to shows. And um, so I I'm, realized so when,
0: I, when I say, you know, I think I would have edited this episode, that's where people are like, well, you don't have any wife and kids, buddy. <laughs> you know, so I get that it takes more time, but there was especially on one hand, it was good that he was taking time to come up with an answer. Yeah. But he loved to just, I, he, um, he, well, and to be fair, he's doing what I wasn't
3: doing, which is framing the
2: response before he says it. Right. <laughs> you know? So, <laughs> so, so here's an editing tip on something like that. So, uh, earlier I said leave that gap so you can, you can visually see it when you look at your waveform to go back and edit. So, when it's like this, you can't, ta- you can't, you, well, you can, you can say stop, wait, think, okay, now start, so you can see it. But if he does this and you, And as he's flowing, you know you want to edit it out. Just write down the time. You you look at the time that's rolling on your your recording, and you write down 1246, right? So you have this whole list of times that you want to edit out. I want to edit out 842. I want to edit out 1246. Mm -hmm. I want to edit out 1608. Then when you go back to edit, start at the end and start editing the last time, and as you edit the last time out and you drag the waveform back it doesn't screw you up because if you start at the beginning and you edit out 842 first and you yeah. drive drag the waveforms together now 1246 is no longer 1246 now it's just moved up however much you cut out so when you do that start at the end edit there and work your way back to the front of the uh, episode what about just clapping loudly no I'm
3: he <laughs> was like, "What was that?" I, was like, I, didn't hear, anything. I didn't hear anything." I don't know. So yeah, the waveform just punch the mic like I just did here. And so I, I always edit from the front though, because I, I often remove large sections. But I guess I can still do that. Yeah, it depends um, if
0: you want to take notes or not. I usually just go through and listen afterwards. And what I do is I listen for one thing. I listen to what question did I ask. Because, yeah. there, because there are plenty of times where people will answer you and not answer the question. And that's when I go, OK, what? here's what they said. I asked them this. I asked them for A. They gave me B. And then I ask, is B even valuable to my audience? And if not, both the question and the answer go out the window.
3: Yeah, yeah. I've started being a little more um, watching for that. I'm surprised I didn't catch that in this episode. Um, but it's funny because I do tend to do about 50 percent of it. Like there's probably spots in there where he did do that. And I clipped it out Yeah. And I left some of them just to leave a little bit of that. But if it's really annoying like that one was, I mean, and it's not his fault at all. It's just like that's when you're thinking about yeah. an answer. Yeah, um, Yeah, you're totally right. That was a good 15 seconds of that.
0: It, well, since we're on the subject, here's another one.
3: I had Any two. advice for dealing with <laughs> either the success or rejection at an audition?
1: Well, I think the, the, the advice I'd have about rejection is is or even any experience, you know, you play a concert and you, you tank out or something like that is it's telling you something. It's, it's information. It's not, if you take it personally,
3: any advice for dealing with either the success or rejection at an audition?
1: It's telling you something. It's, it's information. It's not
0: just, just the point, (laughs) but yeah, yeah. it's so much better. He was a big, uh, which again, I appreciate that he's thinking his answer, but, uh, If you have the time to edit, I recommend it. If you don't, I completely understand. What
3: program are you doing for your editing? I'm using Audition.
0: I use, see, I'm on a PC, so that's a little different. Mm -hmm. And I use a program. What I do is it's a program called SoundForge. And what I love about it, even though it makes everybody sound like a chipmunk, is I can speed it up. Yeah. And I'm just listening for you know, things that are, and I don't cut out every space. Like if somebody does pause and let's say they pause for two seconds, I might cut that down to one second because that one second of space shows my audience that they're thinking about the answer. So I, there there are mm. times when space does more than just, you know, waste file space, right? there are times when it, yeah. it, it adds meaning to it. And so I do that and I edit out any, I, again, and what I usually go for is low hanging fruit. If somebody's saying something like, well, um, I think it was a time, and, and they run the um into a word, and so you have to zoom so far in to cut that out. I'm not going for that. I'm going yeah, for the yeah. the easy, just, uh, uh or, or, you know, my cat's meowing in the background or whatever that I have to cut <laughs> out. The low-hanging fruit. And then uh, the last clip I have is just the way you wrap up the show. And here it is again. And this is where I went, Okay because I really think somebody's going to come in right here. Thanks for listening today. No. (laughs) No, not yet.
3: Thank you so much for listening to the Clarinet Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and want to learn more, please see the show notes for this and all other episodes at www.clarinet.com. Did you know that Patreon backers now get access to extended, high-resolution audio episodes and other bonus content? See www.clarineat.com Patreon to learn more. Be sure to tune in next time for a conversation with Matthias Muller, who invented a product called the Sabre. I first featured him on episode 33 of the podcast when his product was in its infancy, but it's now almost ready for commercial production. Also, in the coming weeks, I've got a conversation to share from the four-play clarinet ensemble. Those girls talk about, you know, what's in a name, first of all, how they pick that sort of somewhat spicy name and uh, also they talk about how they go about filming their music videos and that might sound like an odd topic for a clarinet podcast but they actually go out in places like the desert <laughs> and film recreations of pop songs um, along with their own original arrangements their videos are getting upwards of a hundred thousand views on YouTube sometimes much more than that and I think they're doing something really really cool also joining me on the podcast is the famous Stanley Drucker who of course was the well he needs no introduction but he was the principal clarinetist of the New York Philharmonic Orchestra for over 60 years. We talk about his new upcoming Heritage Collection CD release, which spans his 30-year performance career of playing... Not the typical orchestral music you might expect, but chamber music, solo clarinet pieces, some of which are actually performed with his wife, and she actually joins me on the podcast as well. Many other interesting things coming up. If you'd like to be the first to know, please subscribe with your email address at www.clarinet.com. This will also give you the chance to win giveaways mentioned on the podcast. This episode of Clarinet was brought to you by Dario Woodwinds. Thank you so much for listening.
0: Sanding, shaping, balancing. Uh, for centuries. centuries. And then you basically play the. Is that the exact same ad that you did before? It is, yeah. It's been okay. going for about a year now. It's time to, okay. time to change it up, maybe. <laughs> uh, Eric, what were your thoughts on the ending? Uh, I like the tease
2: to the next episode. I thought that was solid. I thought the multiple teases and the length of them kind of got a little confusing. It seemed like each tease was a little longer than the previous tease. Yeah, the the one about next week was nice and tight. And then the one about foreplay was a little longer. And then the one about this gentleman who you're really excited about was was even longer than that one. So I I think it it, uh, became difficult for me to remember. The thing you want to do is get them to come back next week. So make that one the sizzle. And if you say we're also going to talk to foreplay and and the gentleman from the New York Philharmonic, um, make those quick and, and move along with it. I thought the tease to the next episode was great. I just thought um, it lasted a little long. Um, With regard to your commercial, don't worry about changing it up. Frequency to the target is what we say in advertising. That's Mm -hmm. why you see the same commercial over and over and over again, because that's what it takes for people to remember it. The consumer needs to hear a marketing message three times before it actually sinks in. The first time it goes in one ear and out the other. The second time they think, oh, that sounds kind of familiar. And then the third time it actually, they remember they start to remember what the commercial was. So don't assume they hear it every single time you play it. Don't assume they're actually listening to it every single time they hear it. And uh, mm-hmm. don't worry about changing it up more often than you need to. Now, there are commercials that I hear that are still, hey, it's uh, it's uh, New Year's resolution time. And you're like, uh, no, it's not. It's <laughs> July. So uh, make sure it, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's uh, applicable. But don't worry about changing it up just for changing it up's sake. You want the You want your listener to remember the message in the spot. So overall, I thought it was good. Um, Tighten up your music, tighten up the focus of it. And but I love the tease. And uh, I love the way you allow people to get involved through Patreon. How is that working for you?
3: Um, You know, I wasn't pushing it. The the problem was, you know, basically just said there, uh, Eric, was that I sometimes give too many options for things. And it's because I have all this like if I look up right now. There's the list of the next eight episodes in the wall, only three of which have been announced. But I, there's this temptation to just let everything out of the bag at once, you know. Yeah. So I think what I'm going to start doing is, is even with today's episode, I'm working on is just announcing the next episode in the end of the this episode because that's all that matters. It's still a week away. I mean, right. So, but then what I used to do with my support stuff too is I said there was about six ways you could support it. You could. Right. It would go on for about a minute and a half. Like, if you have money, you can donate directly, and you can do this, you can do that. And if you don't, you can tell a friend, and you can vote on blah, blah, blah. And it's like, what? At the end of it, I don't think anyone responded because it was just so many things. Um, So about eight episodes ago, I switched to full-on just, just Patreon. Like, if you're on the website, and you're actually there browsing the site, and you're already into it that far, you're going to see the donation button, and you're going to see that I carry products and stuff. You're gonna maybe click an affiliate link, but but I figured Patreon was the one thing where not only does someone get a little extra, but it, it's an ongoing uh, monthly contribution, and they feel like they're actually helping. So that's actually been going okay. I mean, the last few weeks alone, it's went from about three backers to nineteen. So that's nice, wow, a lot better. Yeah.
0: And I know you're giving them a a ad free version, and then extended interviews. I think is what you said. Sometimes it's
3: extended. Yeah. If I have a, if I, if there's time, I'll ask like a lightning round. Okay. Um, and that gets included in the extended ones. Or if it just gets a little long and there's a maybe question that was just a little too nerdy to be on the the normal one, I'll just include it in there. Um, it only takes me about five minutes. I just sort of pop. I just copy it and then either delete something, take out the ads. And I also take out the Patreon banter and all right, that. Because they're and already they're there. They're on Patreon. <laughs> so <laughs> a few people upgraded their pledges once I added that option. So, you know, if they I'm trying to not do something i heard on on um, your podcast but the fish nerds recently actually which was where he was trying to make it seem as if not having ads was a benefit and you guys were cautioning against that and that got me kind of nervous
2: about this whole thing what do you think about that about having so both the, the the what we were explaining to him was um having ads not having ads there's there's really no um right way to do it if you want to have ads great if you don't want to have ads fantastic what we were warning him about was don't frame it like it is bad to have ads like hey if you help me out then I can get rid of these horrible ads because when you do that then your advertisers are going to go if if I'm so horrible why am I paying you yeah (laughs) so um, regardless of whether you want to have ads or don't want to have ads I don't have any problem with that but the last thing you want to to do is frame advertisers as being evil, because you never know when you might need them. Mm-hmm. So no, if definitely. you want to say, if you want to say, hey, if you want to have an ad-free podcast, that's fine. I mean, there if there's if it's possible. But what you don't want to do is say, if you want to get rid of all these horrible ads, and so you don't have to sit through all this crap, you know, go subscribe. <laughs> right. You know, it's, that just, would be it's just the way you frame it. It's yeah. just the way you yeah. frame it. because um, there are plenty of radio stations and and podcasts that talk about commercial free and ad free. Um, yeah. It's just you want your advertisers to feel loved uh, regardless of of whether or not you offer the, an ad free option or anything like that. You just want to make sure that you you they know you care about them and you value their business with you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So but uh, speaking of your website, let's go ahead and hop on over there. Um, pretty slick website. I got to tell you, the the one thing. Well, first of all, I love the this. Eventually, kind of got on my nerves. The fact that yeah, when, I'm going to kill that when I go to the because uh, I, I, I I realize it's talking about the fact that you're on the podcast review show. But when <laughs> when because I kept going and I would check out something, I'd go to the top and I'm like, wait, where'd the menu go? And I'm like, oh, if I come down a little bit, there it is. But the fact that it's super easy to navigate. The thing that really I was like, wow. And I know you're using WooCommerce, so good on you, because that is not an easy piece of technology to get a grasp on. Oh, uh, no? No. I've, I when, Anytime I've ever played with it, I'm like, forget it. I'm going back to PayPal. But I thought your store was just elegant. It worked. You had a, a help. I saw in one place, if you needed help, you could click on a button. Uh, but I was just like, wow, this looks like pretty slick. And everything worked. There was no kind of, I, I, I didn't buy anything, but I was adding things to my cart um, and uh, everything just seemed to, to work. And I was like, wow, okay. And even here, obviously I'm in your cart. So it's a kind of a different place than your, no, actually your, your, your navigation is still there. So we're fine. So I just thought, and then your about page was probably just impressive to where it made me want to listen to the podcast. Cause you start mm-hmm. off with, here's who I am. And then I scroll down and you've been named a, a top 10 classical music podcast. Uh, thanks for the shout out to the podcast rodeo show. Um, <laughs> I see you right there in, you know, you've got your, your tux on, you're looking all dapper. And then I see Shania Twain and Keith Urban and Diana Krall and I'm like, oh, well, hold on. And then I see you in a recording studio. So already I'm just like, okay, this guy's been doing this. This is like, this guy's legit. He knows. So I just, just by scrolling down, I was like, oh wow, this guy is like Mr. Clarinet. I thought that was pretty cool. And then your reviews, I just had a uh, distributor contact me that's going to send me some gear. And he suggested I do this exact same thing. He goes, "Any anything you do where you're reviewing gear, you should make a link for that so people can see these things. Well, another
3: thing, they look there on the read, for example, and this is with the partnership with D'Addario. Mm-hmm. That's a D'Addario read. Yeah. So that's kind of just some extra placement stuff that they've been doing in there. Is that what you're talking about? Or you mean the click-through links?
0: Yeah, well, the fact that you have a link to reviews, I thought was cool. Oh, I see, yeah. Because when I first, I thought it was going to be podcast reviews, and then when I saw this, I'm like, oh, actually, this is even better.
3: Yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. Because
0: people, I'm assuming clarinet players are a lot like podcasters. They love to geek out on reeds and gear and, (laughs) you know, all the other stuff. So, uh, Eric, what were your thoughts on the the website?
2: Um, First of all, purple is my least favorite color. <laughs> um, i'm
0: just you giving you hard time <laughs> oh, I,
2: was, I
3: was like well, that's too bad buddy <laughs> not gonna cry over um that.
2: <laughs> i i agree with dave where the thing at the top kind of hides that menu pull down which uh i didn't notice the menu pull down i was scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and looking every everything through there which was kind of hidden from me but i like the clean layout of the of the website on your homepage there the members only content is about, I don't know, a third of the way down the the homepage. I would have liked to have seen that up a little further up to the top because you have a tendency to talk about some of that. And that's a great benefit to your listeners. If they really want to get involved with you thought, maybe moving that up a little further. I agree with Dave. I think your about page is solid. It's uh, it talks enough about you, but it frames it in the eyes of the listener. And uh, you, the, the Once I found the menu and was able to start moving through it, your website navigates real easy and you're not using clever words and names of of particular sections of the website. You know, when I click on the menu and I'm seeing podcast about videos, blog store, Patreon, I know exactly what I'm getting. It's not some big you're not trying to be too, too cool for the room and too clever. So I love that. I, I like the clean look of it. And uh, a lot of useful content and resources on here for clarinet players. I thought it was solid.
3: Yeah, I think I will. I have to kill that announcement bar. I just I don't have a way of telling people, for example, today when something's happening, uh, of alerting them of that. Like that's kind of what my goal was with that. And and but I understand for the person who's really not going to tune in right now, then they're just trying to shop the store. I mean that's got to be pretty annoying.
0: I, it was for me, but the third time I was like, wait, I, yeah, I saw yeah. it there a minute ago. <laughs> I was like, uh, now I'm going to cry. <laughs> no. um, <laughs> now but, we done it. <laughs> and, well, do you have like a Facebook page or? There is. I'd way down yeah. here, I see it.
3: Well, yeah, there, there was earlier too somewhere. I okay, because um, I'm going
0: to say you could use that to announce things in your email list. and. Yeah, but Facebook is such a pain these days. You have to like pay to reach
3: everybody. Yeah. I'll share something, it'll get like five likes, which... It doesn't make sense because there's, you know, 2000 people following, but they just, there's no exposure for it unless you pay for it. It seems.
0: Yeah. But uh, the only thing I didn't look at now, I think about it, your contact page, um, which hopefully will just have contact stuff on it. Yeah. Beautiful. Oh, there you go. Shout out to uh, Alberta. I like that. Oh, cool. (laughs) See, this makes life easy because this way, if you wanted to say on your website or on the podcast, if you want to say, Hey, if you want to contact me, instead of saying, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Twitter, here's my voicemail, here's my speak pipe, you can just say go to, the, you know, clairneat.com slash contact, and boom, yeah. everything is right there, so that makes life a, a whole lot easier. Yeah, I really couldn't find anything, I, I was just like, as long as you aren't allergic to purple, uh, <laughs> I, it's a, and should I should really, have seen it about
3: three months ago before I redid the whole thing, yeah. <laughs> it was a well, I purple was, nightmare.
0: I really thought you did this in Divi, and this is just a um, studio press theme, right? Yeah, I tried to do it
3: in Divi. This is kind of a Divi idea theme. Mm-hmm. Um, what it does, is it has some sort of sections in the beginning, which you can then, you know, tell it kind of, which it, you do use divs, mm-hmm. um, but it's not a Divi plugin. It's,
0: yeah, uh, it was pretty impressive. I, I only recently
3: added that player on the front page. I, I I was listening again to the podcast review show, and I it hadn't dawned on me after all these months, but there wasn't a play button on the homepage. Yeah. <laughs> so I added that, and I think it's been helping. I've noticed, actually, I think some people are, you know, based on my Google Analytics anyways, they're kind of chilling for, you know, 40 or 50 minutes on the homepage. What used to not happen. Nice. So they must be listening from there. Because
0: that'll actually help your Google juice. Because yeah, when Google yeah. sees that people are on there longer, they're like, well, this must be something good because people aren't going, staying for five seconds and, and leaving. Anyways. Do you there's
3: too much text on that homepage or?
0: No, actually, no. I, I thought it was, for me, I just... it it just kept scrolling and I was like, oh, that's cool. And then down here, oh, there's the button and I'm like, oh, and then I like the way it's set up that here. I'm, I'm kind of seeing the, I'm looking at a player, but I also see that there's more down here and you've got, you know, you might like this and then there's random. And as I look at that, I say, oh wait, here's his social media. So as you scroll, I'm always seeing the next section. And Mm then, and and, and then there's some reviews from uh, the different areas. So I just, it was to me, it's like, oh, okay, there's more here. And that, then just kept me uh, interested enough to scroll down and see, well, what's that? Oh, I can buy t-shirts. Oh, that's cool. And it just kept going on and on. And then you finally get to the bottom. I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. And, uh, and then even down here, you've got more links. And, uh, so I didn't mind it that, uh, and then the fact that it's so long might bother people. But on the other hand, if I didn't, I could probably jump to most of that stuff by clicking on the, the links at the top. So, Mm uh, I didn't mind it. So,
2: is that primary paragraph there on the home page easy to edit? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. That may be where you put your news then. If you're if if you were saying it's hard to let people know that you're going to be on another podcast or something like that, maybe at the very end of that paragraph where it ends with uh musical services and royal musical instruments, yeah. then maybe a new line just in big bold capital letters you just have news colon live professional podcast review with Claire and Eat host, mm-hmm. Sean Perrin, tonight, 9.30 p.m. You know, maybe maybe you just put a little space between that paragraph and those four icons that actually lists the news that you have rather than the widget that you have at the top of the page. Well, and it, it might not be that hard to actually just program.
3: the. The problem with that little thing that comes up, it's a little announcement bar for the store that you're supposed to use to announce like a sale or something. But with this theme, it's not pushing the menu below the announcement bar. So I probably just have to edit one line of code. Um, Oh yeah. So maybe that would work too. Cause I mean, if, if above the announcement, sorry, if above the menu, it just said, you know, today I'm on the podcast review show, click here. Right. And and it wasn't obstructing the menu. Maybe it wouldn't be as big of an issue.
2: Um, Yeah. I don't have a, I don't have a problem with it being up there. My only problem was that I couldn't see clarinet and I couldn't see the menu. Drop down until I started scrolling. It's gone. I killed it while we were talking. I just <laughs> made it turn it off. I wonder because I'm like, hey, when
3: a
0: win. <laughs> Should have done that before.
2: <laughs>
0: awesome. Well, as we start to wrap up here, uh, Eric, any final thoughts on uh, Clarinet?
2: Oh, I thought it was a solid podcast. I thought you made the
0: the discussion with him
2: enjoyable. I thought overall it took you a little long to get him to start opening up and telling some great stories, but you finally got there not quite halfway through the episode, you really started getting him to, to tell some fantastic stories about playing and the journey he's been through. I think you do a nice open and a nice close. There's a great tease there. You, uh, you ask some great questions. I think just a little tweaking to the structure of the question will help the, the momentum and the flow of the interview. But overall, I thought it was solid. I thought you did a great job.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm, sir. And the other thing, what microphone are you using? Because I really thought your audio sounded great. Uh, it's a sure Beta eighty seven A. Okay, nothing too crazy, and that's no, it's actually uh, it, it. was a good thing and a bad thing because it really made your guest sound worse. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like, <laughs> yeah.
3: well, you know, it might be because it's running through a good Focusrite preamp. Too. Ah, there you go.
0: And it sounds because <laughs> so, yeah. that
3: was a USB mic.
0: That was really my only thing that I was like, man, the one thing if you could have any kind of control of would be your guest audio, and you've got that handle now with a headset. That should really improve things. Well
3: it's it's tough going forward though because it you know everyone's in a new location, right. right? So that's only if they come to that one location, yeah. which is not going to be everybody. Yeah. But what is the solution to that? Do people mail them a headset in advance and
0: there are people around, that do or? that. Yeah. They'll send them a headset or an ATR twenty one hundred or uh, another really if you're doing it over Skype, have them load Skype on their phone and then connect via Wi-Fi so they don't burn up mm-hmm. their minutes will sound so much better than the person that's, you know, 12 miles away from their microphone. And it just sounds like they're in the bathroom. Uh, so I've
3: tried that before, but they get all kinds of interruptions. How, how do you, oh, I guess you just true. put on airplane mode or something.
2: If, you, if you're on an iPhone, you can put it on do not disturb. Yeah, there we go. So if you swipe up, you can, or you can go into the settings. So oh. you don't put it in Wi-Fi mode, There we but go. you, do not you disturb. activate the do not disturb portion yeah. of it. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then that way no notifications or anything come up. Nice. And with Skype, you can just appear offline or whatever, right?
0: Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
3: Because yeah, then the the mic's close to their face on their headset. Is that what you're saying, Dave?
0: Yeah. Well, number one, the microphone in the phone is actually pretty decent. I've I've done interviews just on the spot doing what I call the Bob Barker, where I just move the phone in front of people's mouths. And I'm always, I go back and go, that was done with a phone. Seriously. Um, mm-hmm. so it just sounds better. And then the fact that they're not going through a phone line, they're going to sound better. I just, I did it once with somebody, they had a, uh, they kept their Wi-Fi on, but they turned off their computer. They had a thunderstorm rolling through. So I guess he yeah. did not care if he blew up the router. And, uh, <laughs> And I, I called him back and I said, oh, I thought you said you were going to get on your phone because he sounded just as good as he had a, a you know real microphone. He goes, no, no, I'm on my phone. And I'm like, are you kidding me? So I was really surprised how how it sounded so much better than, you know, the standard built in microphone, especially if they're on a, like a laptop and, the you know, they're four feet from the microphone and it's just horrible.
3: So that's that's a, a cool plan B. What do you do about like environmental noise? Um, For example, I was talking to someone the other day in Manhattan and it was just sirens out the
2: door and there's just not much you can do about it in a way, I suppose. But Eric, what do you do in a case like that? Yeah, you, I would just ask them to um, if they can get to an area that's quiet, you know, if they're in a lobby or a big uh, booming area with a lot of echo, things like that, just see if they can move to a, a spot that might be a little less noisy but you know sometimes you have to weigh the importance of the interview with the quality of the interview you know if you got a once in a lifetime guest on sometimes you're just going to have to live with fire engines and dogs barking but yeah. if you got a guy you know if you got the third chair saxophone player from the the West Undershirt band then you just go you know what i think we might have to reschedule this if you can't find some place that's a a little quieter and there are so many easy techniques to make a room less bouncy. If they're standing in a hallway and it's all tile, obviously it's going to be bouncy. But if they move they move closer to a corner and they face the corner rather than facing the hallway, that deadens the sound a little bit. If they can just step underneath a low overhang, if they can step near something that's soft, a couch, a, a carpeted wall, that's part of that pre-interview talk that you should have rather than how's the weather there? How's it going? You should say, you know, you go through a checklist. Here's who the audience is. Here's who we're talking to. Here's kind of how I'd like you to, to handle it, you know, to get the, I want to make you a sound as great, as good as we possibly can. So make sure you're not moving your phone around a lot. Make sure if you have rings on, they're not clanking against it because the microphone will pick up a lot of that. If you're in a big empty space with a lot of people, see if we can move you to a different room. Just kind of go through a little checklist with them because and you want to frame it that that you're trying to make them sound as good as possible yeah, it's for them. It's, yeah. it's not yeah. like I'm nitpicky and I, you know, this is my show and I want it to be how I want it to be. You want to make them sound good and you want to be able to to make their answers audible and so f- find a way to make that happen. Not that this would help a, a lot with your interviews. There's a, a TASCAM IXZ that is really cool. It plugs into the the bottom of your iPhone and then you plug in an XLR mic to it and it sounds absolutely phenomenal. We use it at the radio station quite often. It gives you really high quality. So if you're interviewing people um, at conferences or things like that and you need a portable recorder, that gives you audio almost as good as any portable recorder that I've heard you just open up uh, your memo on your phone and hook that bad boy up to it and you're off to the races we actually record remote broadcast breaks using that thing in our iPhone and then email the the segment back to the station so they can air it and it sounds like ISDN line it's perfect hmm. <laughs> I've been using a thing called a Shure SMV88 or something like that SM88 or uh, is it a little microphone interface it plugs in it's like this it actually is a microphone okay. um, oh wow yeah. I should, I don't know if it's yeah, already. there are a handful of those little devices that you can use that just work phenomenally well. Well, it's a little finicky. I mean, I had a big mistake early on
3: when I started. I, I went to Montreal for an interview and a concert and a few other things. But while I was there, I did do this interview, and it just got spoiled because I didn't know there was different mic settings on this thing. Oh, yeah. surprise. And it just got ruined. But, yeah, so it plugs in the bottom like this. Um, oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. and it's, it's actually pretty – it's got a little directional thing, and you can move it and – so I'm going to try that. And that was my last question for you guys, actually, is I'm going down to Clarinet Fest again <laughs> <laughs> next week in Florida. And I've got the chance to interview some pretty big names down there, which has gotten set up by some some people. But so, I mean, first of all, do you have any advice for when you may not have a chance to research the guest? And then secondly, I mean, in those kind of environments, like just with the background noise and stuff, is that just part of it and, and just do it as it is or try and go sit in the bathroom with the person? Or uh, what do you- I know. So I know
0: I've Dave tried. Dave does a
2: lot of that. Yeah. Dave, Dave will interview people, especially for, um, because of my podcast, he'll, he'll get a lot of audio at conferences like that. And it's, and it all comes across with the way that you set it up. Dave will always on his show he'll say hey we were at uh podcast movement or one of the other conferences right. and I had a chance to run into so and so and we did a because of my podcast and we were on the lobby and here it is and you roll it and you can hear everybody clanging in the background and it has that that cool conference sort of atmosphere but mm-hmm. Dave set it up ahead of time so you knew this wasn't clean in-studio audio it was conference audio yeah i just
0: yeah. if it, it, something like that when i hear the audio and i'm like okay there's no amount of noise gating and no i'm like forget about it so i'm just gonna point out the elephant in the room hey guess what If you ever and and i've had people say wow that was kind of cool i felt like i was there so yeah right. i did
3: do a thing i went to a conference in chicago in december and i went around and kind of like just documented all the booths and i had the microphone set up right it actually worked out really well I was thinking of kind of doing that again, but there is a chance for some sort of longer form 15, 20 minutes. I'll have to talk to somebody and I'm hoping.
2: Yeah, if that's the case, if you're going to do a longer form interview, then go find a side room, conference room. A lot of times you can go one level up and go back to a bunch of conference rooms that aren't being used. Don't go in the conference room because it'll be big and loud. You want to sit in the hallway outside that has those big poofy couches Sit around those because that'll absorb your audio and uh, or absorb the echo and make it sound a lot cleaner. So if you're going to do a longer interview, like a full blown interview with them, I'd go, I'd try and find a spot that's a little quieter. But if it's just a one or two questions sort of thing and you want to get a little drop from them, then doing it out in in the middle where it has some ambient noise, that's pretty cool.
3: Well, it's tough because, of course, everyone wants to do the interview while they're there, but everyone is super busy, including me, while they're there. And it's also not the best chance for me to come up with questions. So one thing that's happened the last two conferences is that I go and then I, I say, oh, yeah, I will connect. And then the year passes and I've been through 48 interviews and it's, I still haven't connected with that person, you know. So I feel like if I just had them cornered and just
2: did it, it would be done. But if it's somebody that's difficult to get, you want to be able to combine the interview along with something else they're doing. So Mm -hmm. if they need to take a long ride, like, let's say, um, you're at the conference, but you're going to see the show tonight over at the, uh, over at the theater and it's a 20 minute drive ride with them and interview them in the back seat. If, uh, if they need to eat, eat dinner. Right. And so what do you say? Hey, what if we order room service in my room? You come up, we'll break bread. And while we do it, um, we'll interview you. And yeah. so you spend an hour upstairs, you spend 20 minutes eating, you spend 40 minutes talking, you record the whole thing and it's, you know, dinner with my guest. And you know, you hear the you hear the the forks clanking on the plates and everything, but it's kind of it's got a little environmental feel to it, but it's not the noise of the lobby. Yeah. Okay. And then so with that kind of thing that was while you're eating dinner, are you passing the mic
3: back and forth or do you set it on the table in a wider stereo mode or pick up the whole room kind of thing or
2: lip lapel mics or I would try and find an interface where you could use two mics. You know, I use my, my zoom where you can, you can actually hook two different mics up to it and it sends you to two different channels. Or, uh, if you're going to, if you know, you're going to have an opportunity to do it in a room, see if you can pick up one of those cheap little four channel mixers, or you can, uh, run them both into the mixer and then run the mixer out into your phone or something like that. Okay. Yeah, I'm just trying to avoid bringing a lot of stuff. That's yeah, all. that's so the I'll fun. To just think about Those it. little, those little mixers it. are are those little mixers are you know like a like a little a five by eight book. I mean, they're not very very heavy. And if you throw that in there and your recorder and a mic, and you should be good to go. Yeah, like lapel mic something. You
3: mean <clears throat> a couple of lapel mics?
2: Yeah, you could do lapel mics. You could are do you, uh, like I this? guess. Yeah, something like that. You know, yeah. get a couple ATR 2100s and. Throw
0: those in. I have. Um, I cannot find them. They're from a company. It's a weird name called Giant Squid Audio, oh. and it plugs into. It's it's basically got a uh, one of these kind of. He said, holding whatever this is, the like a headphone jack, yeah, on the end of it, and it splits off into two lapel mics, and you just plug them on people. the The cool thing about it is they give you like six feet of cord. The bad news is. It's always tangled up in a giant mess. I think that's why they call it giant squid audio. It's like a giant mess. <laughs> um, but they sound pretty good. They're they're um, they're condenser microphones, so they're going to pick up a little more noise because well, you need that. It's a lapel mic. But I have found them as long as I make sure to pin it someplace. So if somebody's moving, it's not going to jump around like that. But what I like about it, I use that. I had a Roland RO five. Uh, this is before I got my Zoom, and it splits people. So you have somebody in the left channel, somebody in the right. So if you need to mute things, and you know somebody's whatever, you, it gives you a little more flexible with the uh, the recording. But anymore, I literally I just use my phone, yeah. And I just again, so I'm
3: just kind of back and forth, like I was saying. Yeah, I, did, I just do the like, Bob
0: Barker, yeah. Okay, Bob. Barker. I might just
3: go with that for this time because it's what I got. But uh, yeah. no, I see the need for maybe a Zoom and a couple other mics or something. But.
0: Yeah, th- that's a nice way to go if you've got some place where you can set up and and call people over. The other thing I would do is have business cards made that aren't for you, but for the podcast. Yeah. Uh, but all in all, I thought it was a great show and uh, wish you the best of luck with it. I think you're right on the right path. And the fact that, you know, there aren't you're pretty niche. I don't know that there's any other clarinet podcasts, but uh, you've definitely got yours going in the right direction. So uh, no,
2: thanks. I appreciate that.
0: Yeah. So, Eric, where
2: can people find you? You can find everything that I have over at uh, podcasttalentcoach.com. Podcast is there, all my helpful worksheets and everything you need.
0: And you can find me at schoolofpodcasting.com. And again, you can find Sean at Claraneet.com Thanks for uh, tuning into the podcast review show. If you'd like to be reviewed, just head over to our website at podcastreviewshow.com. And you'll be in Sean's chair. Uh, and again, we didn't make him cry. So we're, we're doing okay. And I uh, hope it wasn't too bad for you, Sean. That was great. I had a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. All right. And uh, we'll call it a day on that. Thanks, everybody.
1: Thanks for tuning into our show. If you'd like to get reviewed, go to podcastreviewshow.com slash review me. Want to give us a review? Go to podcastreviewshow.com slash iTunes. Links to today's podcast, along with ways for you to connect with us, can be found at our website at com. Looking for an in depth review? Need some podcasting pointers? Sign up for a coaching session with Dave at schoolofpodcasting.com.
0: Hey, it's Dave. Thanks for sticking around here. Again, this is not the norm, but we've kind of got a time sensitive issue here because this webinar is March 21st about book. Launch Secrets, it's myself and Thomas Umstadt, and then he's going to talk about this course. And it's going to basically go over everything you need to know about launching your book, and you'll learn proven principles and methods to help your next book or get your first book off the ground like a rocket. Thomas, the same way that I live and breathe podcasting, Thomas lives and breathes books, and then what's beautiful about it is his kind of mentor, James L. Rubart. it's kind of like getting Han Solo and Yoda at the same time. And the reason I think this is so important is this is the last time they're teaching this course. Now the webinar you're signing up for absolutely free and you're going to walk away with a lot of great ideas and an offer. We're not going to lie to you. They're going to talk to you and ask you to take this course, but there's so much value in just the free webinar I wanted to let you know that it's going on and it's happening very, very soon. March 21st. Look at the calendar. Yeah, that's like, holy cow, it's coming right up. All you have to do is go to com slash book launch. That's com slash book launch. I can't wait to see you there.